Hey, welcome to the Vermont bonus episode of Never To Be Seen Again, the podcast. So as I was doing research for the Vermont episode, I came across this case. It is a couple who went missing. They are, uh, name is case numbers MP11677 and MP, MP11678. So I Google researched them as I do with all of my cases and what I found out had me a little excited. Now I'm not excited because this poor couple disappeared and was likely murdered. I was excited because this couple is one of the few cases serial killer Israel Keys actually confessed to and provided details on. Now I don't want to I don't want you to think that there is something horribly wrong with me, but I am truly fascinated with Israel Keys and the intricacies of his mind. So if you don't know anything about him, some of this story will cover how he was actually caught. But the actual number of his of victims of Israel Keys is still unknown because he was so very careful in the way he committed his crimes that it's hard to tie anything back to him. He did confess to some murders, but he committed suicide before the totality of his crimes could ever be revealed. So enough talking about him, though, because uh, you can do your own research if you're interested enough to. I'm here to tell you about the disappearance and probable murder of William and Lorraine Courier. So William Scott Courier is a 5'11 Caucasian male weighing approximately 200 to 240 pounds. He has brown hair, but he was balding, and he has hazel eyes. He was 50 at the time of his disappearance. His wife, Lorraine Simone Courier, is a Caucasian female standing at 5'3 to 5'5 and weighing 150 to 170 pounds. She has brown hair and brown eyes. She was 55 at the time of her disappearance. So Wednesday, June 8, 2011, at 5 o'clock, Bill leaves work at the University of Vermont as an animal care technician. Lorraine is leaving work at the same time at Fletcher Allen Healthcare. They meet at home, they eat dinner together, and then they go to bed together. Thursday, June 9th, and it's Thursday, June 9th, and Lorraine hasn't shown up for work. Her co-workers almost instantly become concerned. Police contacted Bill's employer, but he hadn't shown up for work either. Neither Bill or Lorraine were the kind of people that didn't call when they weren't going to work, and Bill's sister reported uh, them missing that day. On Friday, June 10th, police found Bill and Lorraine's car abandoned in an apartment complex parking lot about a mile away from their home. No signs of Bill or Lorraine were located. So Bill and Lorraine lived in a simple ranch-style home uh, in Essex, Vermont. And little did they know that their simple-looking home was the very reason that they were targeted. In a seemingly unrelated series of events, Israel Keyes boards a plane in Anchorage, Alaska on June 2nd of 2011. He's on his way to Chicago, where he plans to drive from Chicago to Maine to visit his brother. Once he landed in Chicago, he rented a car and began to drive east, but he decided on a detour. He passed through Burlington, Vermont, where he had buried a kill bucket years earlier. His kill buckets were five-gallon buckets that he buried in locations throughout the United States years before he ever planned on needing them. They contained zip ties, ammunition, guns, silencers, Drano, and duct tape, things he knew he needed to commit his crimes. 
He dug up his kill bucket in Burlington, and the search for his victim, or victims, began. He spent three days in Vermont. He even bought a short-term fishing license while there. He found his way to Essex, where he spotted Bill and Lorraine's house. He liked the house because it had an attached, attached garage, no evidence of children or a dog, and the style of the house gave him an idea of where the master bedroom probably was. It was just after midnight, on June 9th, when Keyes approached the courier house. He had walked on foot from his, from his nearby hotel. He cut the courier's phone line to see if it would trigger an alarm. When it didn't, he removed a fan from the window to get into the garage. Then he smashed a window in the house, into the house with a crowbar that had been hanging on the wall of the garage. Keyes called what happened next, a blitz attack. He estimated it took him approximately five to six seconds to get from the broken entry to the master bedroom that he had predicted earlier. Keyes was wearing a headlamp so that he could see in the otherwise dark house. As Keyes stood in the doorway of Bill and Lorraine's bedroom, they were sleeping, but they soon awoke to the sight of a man, all in black, wearing a headlamp and armed with a gun. He quickly tied the couple up with zip ties, and then the Inquisition began. He asked if they had a safe, where their ATM cards were, and whether or not they had a gun. Keyes took the handgun Lorraine had kept for protection, along with the couple's cell phones and Lorraine's purse. He then forced the couple into their own vehicle and drove them to an abandoned house in Essex that he had scouted earlier. Once they arrived at the house, he brought Bill inside and tied him to a stool in the basement while Lorraine was still in the car. When he returned to the car to get Lorraine, Keyes found that she had taken this as an opportunity to attempt an escape. She had gotten out of the front seat of the car and was running for her life towards the main road. Keyes tackled Lorraine and dragged her back into the house and into a bedroom. He was mad, and he wasn't going to take any more chances. He tied Lorraine's arms and legs to the bed. Bill was still... Uh, Bill was still in the basement, but now he was shouting repeatedly, asking, where's my wife? Keyes went down into the basement to check on him, but he discovered that Bill had worked himself partway free. Keyes said himself during his confession, that pissed me off because there's a specific way I want things done and I have the whole thing planned out. I have everything I need to do it. Now mad that his plan uh, was interrupted, Keyes lost control. He struck Bill several times with a shovel before taking out a gun and fatally shooting him multiple times. Keyes then went back up into the bedroom where Lorraine was being held. He cut Lorraine's clothes off with a knife. He then raped her twice. While raping Lorraine, he strangled her so aggressively that she lost consciousness. When he was done using her body, he brought Lorraine down to the basement and showed her her husband's bloody corpse. He then sat her down on the bench. He approached Lorraine from the rear um, while she was sitting on that bench, and he wrapped a rope around her neck, and then he strangled her until she was dead. He then doused the bodies with Drano, put them in garbage bags, and tossed them into the corner of the basement. He covered the bodies with debris and then left. Keyes then took the couple's car to a nearby parking lot where he had already left his rental car. He switched vehicles and just drove to Maine. 
He then returned to Vermont and noticed the crime scene tape around the courier home. Keyes told investigators that he left Vermont, but he continued to follow the courier case through the Vermont press. Keyes was caught in Texas only because he used the debit card of Samantha Koenig. Keyes murdered 18-year-old Samantha Koenig after abducting her from a coffee kiosk in Anchorage in February of 2012. Once police had Keyes in custody, he began confessing to some murders. He admitted to Samantha's murder and the carrier's, as well as four murders in Washington State and one in New York. It is believed that he is responsible for far more murders, but Keyes killed himself in the Anchorage Correctional Facility before he completed his tales. He strangled himself with bedding, and his wrists were slit. He was done talking, and he had no intention of serving any time. Before his death, he did tell authorities that he threw both his gun and the carrier's gun into a reservoir in Parrishville, New York. An FBI dive team was able to recover the weapons. Now, I'm sure you're wondering about the courier's body. Well, here's the thing. Um, the abandoned house he left Bill and Lorraine's body in was demolished before law enforcement learned about the crimes that had taken place there. Once Keyes told them the story, though, FBI teams spent months searching the landfill in northern Vermont where the debris was removed to. Unfortunately, the carrier's remains were never found. The chilling thing about Israel Keyes is how he detailed his crimes in such a matter-of-fact way. No remorse. He felt some type of satisfaction from committing murders and sexual assaults. Surely, if he wouldn't have been caught, his crimes would have escalated. I have to think that part of him knew um, that he was only going to get worse, and he purposefully used that debit card because he knew that he needed to be caught. The beautiful thing about the Courier case, in the midst of all the horror, is that they never stopped fighting. They both tried to escape, although unsuccessfully, and even in the middle of their own fight, they didn't forget about each other. They loved each other to the very end. They deserve more than their final resting place to be in a landfill. The hope is that one uh, that someday their bodies will be recovered and they can be properly buried next to each other in a place that they are worthy of a place where they can be visited without being reminded of the horror they faced at the end of their life and at the hands of a monster and that is a short but tragic story of the disappearance of william and lorraine carrier so while this story is horrible i do hope that you enjoyed my telling of it. Um, I know this is pretty short for a bonus episode, um, but I felt like it needed its own, um, its own episode, um, because it was just too tragic to throw in with the rest of them. So that is it for this bonus episode, and I am done for today. I'm going to go take some time to appreciate my family and their presence in my life, but I will be back for your regular scheduled episode, and I hope that you decide to join me there. So thank you for listening, and as always, I'll be back to tell you more about those never to be seen again.